0: Last time on Stone Cold Mysteries. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde.
1: The actors run off stage as the people cheer. Then the curtain is dropped and the cheering turns to screams.
0: Shepard! Already on it. You gather the suspects, I'll get the rest of the policemen on crowd control.
1: Stone runs to get the suspects as the woman continues to bleed down the wall, crucified. The stage was open all first of all. Anyone had access to it, especially the stagehands. They set up the curtains on the stage and the backdrop. The only other suspects we have are the four stagehands here. Four? I thought there were six. Yes,
2: there were three girls and three men. But these were all of the people signed up to be stagehands for you guys.
1: I'm Frederick
3: Fisher. And I'm Ben Fisher. We're brothers. We helped this Matthews girl with bringing in all the chairs, equipment and props. She needed some strong men to get all this stuff in quickly and set it up.
2: What's your name? Uh, Ellen Dyer. What's your name? Luke Hunter. Look there Shepard. Blood and footprints. And a muddy footprint on the stairs up to the stage.
0: With more blood. That means the killer brought the body through the right side of the curtain.
2: No. Killers. This was a joint effort. Look at the ground where the blood is. No drag marks. The ground is soft enough for marks to be made if the body was dragged and the blood is also untouched. The body would have smeared it.
0: A person could have carried the body onto the stage by slinging her over their shoulder.
2: But that would mean there would be one set of footprints in the ground here. There are two. Plus, if she was slung over someone's shoulder, the blood wouldn't have dripped like it did. It would have soaked into the person's shirt.
0: So that means the person wasn't strong enough to carry the woman on their own.
2: Or they were smart enough to keep a bloody woman off their back so they wouldn't get blood on themselves. Or
0: they both wanted to kill her. I think she was murdered before she was tacked up. These are some heavy-duty nails. It's a wonder that the wood for the backdrop didn't split.
2: I think the wood is rather thick for a backdrop, and it's propped up pretty well so it wouldn't fall over. Lucky for the murderers, I suppose.
0: Her neck was sliced pretty deep. The blood is finally coagulated, and it's cut right up to the bone. She bled a lot here.
2: Yikes. Also, look at her clothes.
0: I noticed that. They're rather sloppy, don't you think?
2: It's all bunched up, some of the buttons are skipped, and her hair is half in her bow and half down. I'd say that's a lot more than just sloppy.
0: It's like she was dressed by a child.
2: Or she was redressed by people who were rushing, didn't know what they were doing, or both.
0: Are you saying that the murderers undressed her at some point?
2: You can tell because of the lack of blood splatter on the clothes. If the woman was killed by the slashing of the neck, the clothes should have a good amount of blood splatter on them. But the only blood on the clothes is the blood that ran down from her neck. Blood splatters look different than blood that is soaked up. She and the murderers were into some pretty sketchy business. Look at this, Shepard. It's a bit of fabric in the neck. It looks like burlap, actually.
0: The only way it would be on her is if they carried her in a sack. But that couldn't be possible because the blood wouldn't have dripped onto the ground.
2: To be honest, I think this was a blood guard.
0: The murderers used the burlap sack around- the knife to slice her neck so the blood wouldn't splatter up on them.
2: This was definitely a premeditated murder. There was nothing off the cuff about this.
0: Waters hasn't set in yet, so the body hasn't been dead long. We've got a window of about three hours.
2: Considering that the neck has finished coagulating, we can shave off about a half an hour before we looked at her. So about a half an hour to an hour ago, she has been dead.
0: Didn't the grand firework performance happen right before the theater troupe was supposed to put on a show? It lasted about 30 minutes. I think the fireworks would have been a great time to kill the girl.
4: I don't know the deceased, either. Same.
3: Just seems like another pretty face to me.
4: Too bad she died. You two seriously don't know her. For all the people here, I thought you two would have been the brothel type. You're kidding me. She was in a brothel. That dirty little fink. What are you so angry about? You didn't even know her.
5: I heard that she went out with ten men a week. Just... Last month, she was engaged to some man who is born, but no face, then cheated on him with his brother.
0: We would like to know where everyone was about ten minutes prior to the fireworks We were
5: getting cake from that woman's stand.
0: Yes, exactly. You can at least let me finish saying my sentence.
5: They came to me about ten minutes to the fireworks and bought some chocolate cakes and then left. They seemed to go off to the tavern.
3: Oh, that's right. A chocolate cake always goes good with beer.
5: I was getting bored with the police officer and I started to kick a rock.
6: It shot over to the side of the tavern. I went to get and stumbled upon Drop's blood. And then when I looked closer, it looked like it led someplace.
0: So it is. Look, stone. It looks like the blood goes towards the stage. Lucky for the murderers, they didn't have a long way to go, and it wasn't very near the action of the fireworks. The tavern is closer to the stage than it was the display.
2: I believe the most important information here is where the blood came from. I think it's going behind the tavern. The burlap sack. It was in the bushes over here. Stuffed behind it with the knife still in it. Look at this weird smudge behind the sack. It's on the other side of the blood. It's splatter, and it doesn't really look like blood, it's brown. What? Bonnie, you're a genius!
0: You just put all the pieces together, haven't you?
2: Oh yes, I've just solved the case.
0: Now we return to Samantha Stone when she actually has found the murderer.
7: Everyone at the festival gather around the stage as they await the play that is now finally going on.
3: I'm glad they got the technical difficulties all worked out. It was probably just someone who forgot a prop or broke something. It better be bloody good.
5: Yes, yeah, making us wait this long and all. Shut up, it's starting.
7: The curtain pulls open to see Dean Brooks in Dr. Jekyll attire. In the fake streets of London, not noticing the crucified girl, he stumbles onto the stage. I must become Hyde again! He makes me feel alive! He downs it, fakes pain, and runs off stage with James Merriweather coming behind him as Mr. Hyde.
3: It is I, Mr. Hyde! Ah, what's this? He notices the crucified girl. This isn't my handiwork.
5: Police! Stop right there, mister. You're under arrest for the murder of that girl.
3: I didn't kill her. Look, my hands are clean. I'm innocent. He looks to the crowd, breaking fourth wall. For once.
8: (laughs) 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 Then who did it? I'm not sure who, but we can find out. Investigator Macy? How'd you get here so quickly? I have a nose for mystery.
3: Well... Do say who did this. Now I'm curious.
8: This girl was a woman in a brothel. Definitely your type.
3: I take offense to that.
8: (laughs) (laughs) But you did not do it. She was killed by two men. You can tell because of the way her clothes were put back on like they were dressed by three-year-olds. Someone killed them in the heat of the moment. No need to elaborate on that, Investigator Macy. Quite right. They killed her by slashing her throat, but using a burlap sack as a knife guard so they wouldn't get bloody. You can tell because of the burlap piece in her neck and...
7: Casey Matthews, dressed as an investigator, rummages around in prop bushes and pulls out a burlap sack.
8: And here it is! Astounding. Quite right. And look here. It seems it is smudged with chocolate cake. The murderer must have eaten chocolate cake beforehand.
3: How do you know the two men were burly? How do you know it was two men?
8: Because... How else would they be able to hang her up on a tree? A strong man needed to hold her up and another one to tack her up. Also, you can see two sets of footprints on the ground and a bloody trail. That means the girl was carried by them both. You're quite smart, Investigator Macy. But what was their motives? I know. I know. How? Because I saw two men of this description hanging out with her
6: before. It was a crime of passion. That girl was in a relationship with one of the brothers, who was rather ugly, but then fooled around with the other brother. Neither of the brothers knew what she was doing until they found out. She just wanted to break relationships.
4: Who are these two brothers? I can answer that for you, Investigator Macy. They live in my apartment complex. It's these two right here.
7: Thomas Marsh, who's dressed as one of the townsfolk, pushes the two Fisher brothers on stage past Sarah Garrison, dressed as another townsfolk. Real policemen stand on either
3: sideline. You don't understand. She was a witch. She played us. We were in love with her, but she didn't say that she was in a relationship with us. We didn't even know she was in a brothel.
1: We didn't do
8: anything wrong! Tell it to the judge! Take him away, boys!
3: A real police officer
7: comes on stage and takes them away, kicking and screaming. Diana Snyder then walks on stage. The curtain closes.
1: I hope you enjoyed that little skit we made just for you to give you a little comedy before the thriller begins. Now, get ready, for the real play begins!
7: The curtain opens and the girl is gone, and the real play goes off without a hitch. The audience enjoys it and goes home happy. That
0: certainly was a different way to accuse the killers.
2: Yes, but it only worked since I accused them behind stage, the proper way, before they were shoved onto the stage. It rattled them quite a bit. They couldn't help but confess when they saw us bring in that burlap sack. For strong men, they were really weak. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I'm just glad Barney found that last bit of evidence. You were splendid. <laughs> That means a
1: lot! But I
2: have a New Year's surprise for you, Charlie. Another one?
1: I'm with the chief here. You already gave me a New Year's money gift, as you called it.
2: So I couldn't come up with a name. Do you want me to take the shillings back? No!
0: So, what's the gift?
1: Well,
2: as of today, you are not just some kid on the street. Wait, you mean? Yes, Charlie. From today on, you are stone. You're adopting me?! I'm adopting you! We will make it official tomorrow, but I couldn't wait to tell you. I was too excited to keep it a secret until then.
7: Charles runs into her arms and hugs her.
1: Yay! Miss Stone, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you!
2: (laughs) I love you too, Charlie.
0: You're amazing, Stone. This is a wonderful thing you've done. Did you plan it so that his adoption fell on your birthday? I mean, you could make it official today. New Year's Day is just starting.
2: No, this was sort of a whim. And it's a holiday. I couldn't do it today. I have to do it tomorrow. But you remember tomorrow is my birthday? Of course.
0: Why would I ever forget? You mean too much for me to forget.
2: Really, Shepherd?
0: Well, um, <clears throat> uh I know you remembered mine as well.
2: Of course I do. There's no way I'd forget.
0: Well, there you go.
1: Now oh, get a room, you two. It's New Year's. Live a little. Charles, stop it.
0: I'd really rather not be lectured by a child on matters of the
1: heart. Bah, I should know. Bonnie and I are going out now. It's the best. We couldn't be happier. Now you have to adopt Bonnie too! Do you really want to be dating
2: your sister?
1: Oh, you? you! No!
2: Ah, no.
1: Well, then you'll have to adopt her, Chief.
0: What? No, 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 no. I can't do that.
1: He's right,
6: Charlie. Because when Miss Stone and Chief Shepard get married, we'll be brother and sister then too. Ah, so Chief is thinking ahead for our sake. Nice, Chief. What? But you gotta get adopted. You can't stay in the factory with that mean lady. You just can't. It's okay, Charlie. Sometimes New Year's miracles are very few.
7: A police officer walks up. Hey,
4: Chief, my wife and I and some of the other officers wanted to know if you wanted to come to Tankard's with us for a New Year's celebration. Haven't we celebrated enough? Okay, let me rephrase that. All of us want to forget that there was a girl mutilated and crucified. Are you in? No. I think I'm going to retire
0: for tonight. I can take the two brothers to the office as well. That'll be my New Year's gift to
7: you all.
4: Oh, thanks, Chief. The police carriage with the two Fisher boys is
7: by the stage. The police officer notices Bonnie.
4: Oh, that was the little girl that stayed with me during the questioning. She helped with the suspects. What a bright little girl she is. Wait, why are you here? Shouldn't you be with your parents?
2: Um, I'm a factory orphan, Mr. Rowans. What? Yes, We were actually just talking about my adopting of Charlie here, and how someone needed to adopt her.
1: It's not fair if I get the only New Year's miracle. I want Bonnie to have one too.
4: Can I adopt her? What? Sorry. Look, my wife and I are unable to have children, so we were looking to adopt. But we just haven't found a kid that we like from the orphanage. But Bonnie is just what we are looking for. She'd have to meet my wife, but we've talked through this whole murder thing, and I found myself... Wishing we could find a child like her.
6: Are you serious, Mr. Rowans?
4: You don't deserve to waste away in a factory, Bonnie. And you can meet my wife right now. Are you okay with that? Y- y- yes. Yes, of course.
7: She grabs the police officer's hand and they leave towards Tankard's. Well now, New Year's really is magical.
2: You can say that again.
7: WCUG Cougar Radio presents the 11th episode of Stone Cold Mysteries. Please pay attention for the show's interactive. It is January 6th, 1891 in the cold city of London in the morning. The excited private detective, annoyed police chief and energetic little boy are on their way to get on a train to go to Torquay, England due to an urgent call from an eager client. The client has stayed anonymous for the time being, so our police chief is apprehensive while our private detective is hyped on a new case. As they board the private steam engine train owned by Garrett Jones, they realize their ride is going to be a long one. Will this ride just be boring, or will it turn horrific? Well, let's tune in and find out.
9: All board, all board.
7: Stone, Shepard, and Charles enter the steam engine train after handing off their tickets.
2: Isn't this exciting, Shepard?
7: Exciting isn't exactly how I would
2: describe this. Then how would you describe it?
0: Unsettling. Around four oh. hours straight on a train with only nine other people and you. It's like a murder waiting to happen.
2: Just because I'm around doesn't mean a murder is going to happen. Besides, I think this would be much better. A private train means peace and
1: quiet. I hate passenger trains. Plus, we get free food. This is all paid for by that unknown client.
0: Well, free food is pretty good.
1: Pretty good? More like brilliant. I'm gonna eat until I pop. Oh, no you won't.
2: I'm not going to have some sick child on my hands. You will eat only as much as you need to be full.
7: Tough break, half point. The conductor walks up to the three. Could
10: you three make it to the passenger car now, please? The train is getting ready to leave. You mean we don't get a separate car from everyone else? What? No. Do you think you're that special? There is one passenger car, one dining car, two laboratories, and the rest of the cars are cargo cars.
7: The conductor leaves to the front of the train. I
0: guess your hope of peace and quiet is going to be a little harder to
7: get than you thought. Wonderful. The three go to the passenger car and are immediately greeted by a man.
10: Greetings, I'm Garrett Jones, and you're the last passengers to come aboard. So that must make you Police Chief Carter Shepherd.
7: Jones shakes his hand happily.
10: Private Investigator Samantha Stone. He gently kisses the back of her hand. And last, but not least, the bright young man Charles. Well,
7: Charlie. Stone, Shepard, and Charles. Look at him in awe. Well, it's about time that we got this kind of treatment.
1: That is definitely the truth. And he didn't call me cheeky. He called me smart, Miss Stone. I like him.
10: Well, I'm glad. You three are bloody brilliant. I followed your cases in the paper, and I was lucky enough to witness your integrity and brilliance firsthand at the festival. I was just delighted to hear that you were going to be riding on my train today.
2: We are delighted as well. It's not every day that one gets to ride in such an immaculate vehicle.
10: The service in space is also nothing to sneeze at. Yes, I do enjoy more intimate rides. I only ride on my private trains. Plus, the people you meet on these trips are just wonderful. You'll never guess who's riding on our train today. Who? You've
2: got me quite intrigued.
7: Jones waves his hand to have them follow him as he walks down the car.
10: Just the greatest writer and
7: most creative mind of our time! They stop in front
3: of a dapper-looking
7: man.
10: Sir Arthur Conan Doyle!
3: Mr. Jones, you flatter me too much. I'm just one man. Many more have done greater things than I.
2: With all due respect, sir, I agree with Mr. Jones. You are an accomplished doctor and surgeon, You were knighted in Italy, and not to mention, you've created one of the best characters in fiction known to man, Sherlock Holmes, the greatest detective!
7: Charles and Shepard look at her incredulously. I never thought I'd see the day when Stone would call
0: some other fellow the greatest detective.
1: Not to mention he's fate. But the mind
2: behind him is not. You are truly brilliant, Sir Doyle.
3: Mum, you flatter me too much, but you look rather familiar, the two of you. I think I've seen you in the paper.
10: Yes, these two are Police Chief Carter Shepard and Private Investigator Samantha
3: Stone! Oh, right. You've solved so many cases, even across seas. It seems like I'm in the presence of greatness as well. And the way I see it, Sherlock Holmes may be the greatest detective, but you're the greatest private investigator. Stone blushes.
2: Sir Doyle, you are too kind.
3: Yes, much too kind. It was nice meeting you. Don't worry, Chief Shepard. I'm married, and I assure you, you have nothing to worry about. I know Miss Stone noticed the ring on my finger. Besides, the best way to charm a woman is to use words and not to degrade harmless writers. You smiles genuinely. What the devil are you talking about? I was just merely stating that you were
0: being too kind being a married man.
3: I'm sure. But I apologize. That's just the mystery writer and me talking. I've always been attuned to detail.
2: Wait, charming a woman? Are you saying that-
3: You mean you haven't noticed? I guess it's true what they say. Love is blind.
2: Sir, I think you've misunderstood our situation. I don't believe this man likes me in that way.
3: Oh uh, yes, Charlie whispers to Doyle.
1: Well, I think he does. I also think she likes him.
3: <laughs> well, I'm not riding this train to think about mysteries in writing, no matter how intriguing it may be. My apologies for taking up your time. Please enjoy your trip. Mr. Jones's trains are the best when it comes to efficiency and comfort.
10: You really are too kind, sir. Thank you. Come on now, you three. It's about time you meet the rest of the guests for today.
3: Jones takes the three away as
7: Doyle starts to fall asleep. They stop in front of a couple. This fine couple is Mr. and Mrs. Miller.
4: Hello. I'm Frederick, and this is my wife, Clara. Hello.
2: Hello. I'm Samantha Stone, and this is Charles.
10: You can just call me Charlie. And I'm Jew
4: Shepard. Ah, the famous detective and police chief of London.
5: You've heard of us? Of course, we've been quite the fans of your work. We read about it almost every day in the paper. It's quite admirable how you managed to figure out the mystery so quickly.
0: This is really surprising, Stone. It seems like the residents of this train are the only people who seem to recognize our names when we say them.
4: You mean you don't get people vying for your attention all the time? No, in fact it's quite the
2: contrary. We have to almost trick people into cooperating with us.
1: Yeah, for
4: people who
5: solve murders almost every day, they aren't that famous. I'm quite shocked. You saved London and quite less other towns from everyday scum on earth and wretched men. I can't even fathom how you two wouldn't be famous.
4: It just goes to show the priorities of some people, always willing to live their lives as ignorant bystanders. I couldn't agree more. If only there were more
10: in the world like you two.
1: Oh, you flatter us. I really like the people on this train so far,
4: Miss Stone.
10: Well, there are more to see. Uh, Thank you for your time, Mr. and Mrs. Miller.
4: No, thank you. It was a pleasure meeting the most clever people in London.
7: The two resume talking with each other as Jones leads them on to the next seats, where two women are sitting in either one.
10: Hello, ladies! The one on the left is Phoebe Mason and the one on the right is Bella Fay. And ladies,
1: this is police- Shut up, Garrett. I couldn't care less who these people are. Can't you see I'm reading at the current moment? The train hasn't even gone a mile and you're already annoying me. Phoebe! Mother said you wouldn't talk to me all this trip. Leave me alone. I'm only on your stupid train because it was the only private one going out today.
6: I'm sorry, Mr. Jones. You know how Lady Mason is.
1: Look, I told you, Bella, to call my uncle Garrett. He doesn't deserve the proper title.
6: I don't feel comfortable with doing that, Lady Mason.
1: I told you to just call me Phoebe. Ugh. Just get me a cake or something from the dining car. You may be timid, but at least you aren't bloody dumb. Go on, then.
10: You can't have dessert until after
7: lunch.
1: Get me a cake, Bella. Now! I'm sorry, Mr.
7: Jones. She quickly goes to the dining car. Jones sighs. You shouldn't speak to Miss
10: Faye like that. I know she's your lady-in-waiting, but she's just a girl like you.
1: You have no right to lecture me on how I treat people, Garrett. Not after what you did to Aunt
10: Jill. She thinks I killed her aunt. I know it was you. She committed suicide, Phoebe. You know that. Even the police said it was so. I loved her. I
1: would never have hurt her. Says the man who remarried four years ago. How long after was that
10: from her death? Six years, actually. And there's not a day that goes by I don't think of Jill. But a man is allowed to find new love. Is he not?
0: It would certainly help one to not be lonely. Exactly.
10: Man, lady, you're like a
1: six-year-old. You're more of a cheeky little brat than I am. Charlie.
10: <laughs> but he's not lying. I think it's time we go see the last two guests. Sorry about this.
7: <laughs> Mason throws her nose up as the three leave to go into the dining car. Well,
10: this is the dining car. We have some pastries and such to satisfy everyone until lunch at 12. So we have about five hours until then. Everyone will eat lunch and dinner together. It's just the thing I request happen. Besides, whoever paid for your trip got a tremendous discount for it being you three, so it's the least you can do.
2: No complaints here. I can bear dealing with your niece for a free trip to and from. Agreed. Yes, she's not really
1: disciplined.
10: Well, not everyone can be as smart as you are, little one. Anyway, these are the last two guests. Victoria Vale and Henry Wolfe.
1: Yeah, The Factory Devil! Charles Stone! I'm sorry. But she is the one who rules over Bonnie.
8: <laughs> it's wonderful to see your kid again, Miss Stone. I am happy to see you two, though. Chief Shepherd and Miss Stone.
7: Stone, Shepherd, and Vale shake hands. So, you are acquainted? With Miss Vale.
0: We met her on a different case at the factory. But we haven't met the other man. Henry Wolf. And you are? I'm Chief Shepherd. This is Samantha Stone, and this is Charlie.
11: He's your kid.
1: Mine. But he's adopted. Yeah. Miss Stone adopted me four days ago.
11: And you call her Miss Stone?
1: She has me trained. Mother will take a little getting used to.
11: So you do know each other?
1: Him? Oh, no.
8: We met today on this train. But being in a train for several hours makes one want to at least be friendly with the ones around you. That makes sense. No use in being
1: miserable for the duration of the trip. Yeah, well, I know one person who's going to be miserable.
11: We met in the dining car, just now. I was feeling hungry, so I wanted to get one of those little puffy things.
8: Hmph. <laughs> They're called pastries, Wolf. But yes, that's how we met. I was feeling rather peckish as well. By the way, the tea and pastries are divine, Mr. Jones.
10: I'm glad I picked the right chef, then. Thank you very much.
2: You don't really sound like a person who could afford a private trip in this train, Mr. Wolf.
0: Yes. He does sound like the common rabble of London. No offence, sir. I
11: don't know what you're talking about.
1: I think they mean you don't know what a pastry is. You say hungry instead of peckish, and you just don't sound high and mighty. Although, the people on this car make high and mighty sound really nice.
2: I agree. They aren't looking down on us, it's just how they speak. But you, sir, don't sound like this crowd at all. In fact, every one of the people on this trip that bought a ticket would have said, I haven't a clue what you mean. Instead of, I don't know what you're talking about.
11: Well, excuse me for not sounding like those jokers. Do I have to sound like I'm rich to be on this train?
2: No, but you
8: could at least dress like it.
11: Stu, what's wrong with the way I dress?
8: I believe we're going off on a tangent here. If this man wants to look and act poor, let him. I say if he paid for this trip, then he shouldn't be reprimanded. If he wasted his money, then it's his prerogative.
11: I feel like you helped me and insulted me all
10: at the same time.
8: I'm quite sure she did.
10: Well, now that everyone knows everyone, I'm going to go back to my seat and take a nap before lunch. I woke up
7: rather early for this trip, and what better
10: way to work up an appetite?
7: Jones goes back into the passenger car.
2: Hey, Mum. Can I get a pastry? Yes. I don't remember us having breakfast this morning. I think I'll get one as well.
7: Charles goes to get a pastry. I thought you said
0: Mum would take a little getting used to.
2: Yes, I did but I suppose there's no harm in him saying it now. Besides, what Wolf said was true. I did adopt him, so he should call me Mum.
0: That was a rather nice New Year's gift.
2: Yes, I hope I made the right decision. I know he's elated to be a stone, but...
0: I know, you're still apprehensive due to your parents' untimely deaths.
2: I just don't want to leave Charlie alone.
0: To be honest, Stone, he is going to be alone inevitably. The notion worth mentioning is that at least, for the time being... He is not. Plus, you saved him from being in the streets.
2: Sometimes you have quite the way with words, Shepard. I do try. I believe you're right. It's not like I'll die any time soon. I'm going to live longer than both of my parents, and I'm going to make this work.
7: You sometimes always do. The two go to get pastries, and then join back with Charles.
1: I got this strawberry pastry! It's really good! Oh, of course, you got the lemon one, Mum. What can I say? I'm a sucker
2: for lemon-baked goods.
0: I'm going to get us all some tea. Shall we go back to the passenger
7: car?
2: Yes, that sounds fine. We will wait for you there, Shepard.
7: Stone and Charles go to the passenger car while Shepard goes to get three cups of tea for them.
6: We're back with your favorite treat with a new taste, Princeton's Apple Pop. It's the season for being thankful and for get-togethers with all of your loved ones. So we created this flavor to be the life of your party. Forget apple bobbing. Princeton's apple pop captured the same taste to give you that nostalgic feeling of the good old South. Buy our pops today.
9: could be so true, true, true to someone like you, you. Say you
2: love me! Too. Daring Dan is returning to the big screen. But for us, for me? That's right! Daring Dan is now a cartoon rama! Watch Daring Dan as he and Viper Mary have their final showdown! Who do you want to win? Daring Dan! get down to your closest cinema today!
7: The time passes in the train with either the passengers sleeping, talking among themselves, or amusing themselves with what they brought on the train. Charles is playing with toy soldiers, Stone is reading a book, and Shepard is reading the newspaper. My word. Stone, take a look at this.
2: Shepard, if that's another silly article that you want to disrupt my book with, I'll kill you.
0: No, it's not. I promise.
1: That's a pretty big risk you're taking there, Chief.
0: Close it, half point. Now look here, Stone. Last article on the left. Stone reads it over.
1: Oh my. That's a woman who was married to Richard Smalls from the Christmas Ball. Did something happen to her, too?
0: No, she just stepped down from her position. It says here that she just couldn't handle the responsibility of a large shipping company, so she sold it to the Stanford Company.
2: He's starting to get a monopoly on things, isn't he?
0: Well... If he can afford it, I suppose it's his prerogative.
2: Yes, but I can't help but feel wary about it. Well, at least
1: Smalls is okay, right?
0: Oh yes, she's well off. Says here she got a nice sum of money to keep her comfortable for the rest of her days.
2: I would hope that Stanford gave her a fair share. She did have a monopoly on shipping at that point.
0: Well, that's essentially the whole article. Miss Smalls stepped down and the Stanford company now owns her shipping label. At
7: that moment... Jones stands in the front of the train to receive everybody's attention.
10: Excuse me, everyone. It's now time for us to convene to the dining car to have lunch that our wonderful chef prepared for us. Come along.
7: He exits through the back to the dining car, and everyone follows suit. The table is set with 11 chairs, each one of the guests, and the chairs are labeled for each guest.
10: Why are these seats labeled- Well, it's just for the chef's ease. Each one of you requested how you would like your lunch made, so all the chef has to do is look for your name and then set down your food. It's much quicker than to ask
7: who each person is. Charles nods as everyone sits in their respective seats. At this time, the chef comes out and serves everyone their food. Everyone then starts to eat.
11: Wow, this chef here is amazing. This food is to die for.
7: Well, I sure hope
11: not.
0: It's good, but not that good.
2: It's a euphemism, Shepard. I agree with
6: Chief, though. I don't like that choice of words. Well, I still think it's rather lovely, Mr. Jones. Please inform the chef for me later that I couldn't have asked for a better meal. Bella,
1: what did I tell you? It's Garrett. And besides, I can take you to tell the chef yourself. You don't need the worthless help of my stupid uncle.
6: Lady Mason.
10: Please, Phoebe. Can we at least go through a meal without you embarrassing me in front of my guests? I'm quite sorry, everyone.
8: Mr. Jones, it's quite all right. You needn't apologize for a little brat. It's beneath you. Besides, she needs to learn her place in the world. How dare you!
3: Ladies, please. I don't think it's necessary to exchange words like this right now. Especially in front of the lovely food. It would be rude to the chef and to our host to not eat it.
4: Yes, and it's such amazing food too. Let's just be thankful and put aside our differences.
5: I agree, it's always nice to have food cooked for you for a change. Hm. Well, some of us aren't peasants. I get food cooked for me every day.
1: Lady Mason.
7: At this moment, the chef comes around with tea which halts the conversation. Everyone looks uncomfortable and eats in silence.
2: Shepherd? If we ever have to ride with Miss Mason again, we aren't taking the trip. No case is worth this.
7: I agree. After a few minutes, the guests start to talk amongst themselves. Everyone starts to finish their food and drink, when Jones suddenly stands up.
10: Um, excuse me, please. I'm feeling a little ill.
7: Please, continue your meal. Jones leaves, and Stone and Shepard exchange glances. Everyone goes back to eating.
5: What was that?
2: I don't know, but I think it would behoove us to go check it out, huh, Shepard?
7: Yes, we are the professionals here. Everyone just stay put. Shepard and Stone go to where Jones left to, back to the passenger car. Stone goes through the door first. I'm guessing Jones was trying to go to the lavatory,
0: so let's check it out.
2: No, he didn't go to the lavatory.
0: What? How do
7: you know?
2: Because he never made it there at all. Look.
7: On the floor in the aisle is Jones, dead. He is foaming at the mouth.
2: He was poisoned!
7: And just when
0: I thought the guests on this trip couldn't get any worse, I told you, Stone, you are a death magnet.
8: I am not! Hey, ladies. It's autumn, which means the weather is getting colder, and the boys are looking for the perfect girl for them. So,
6: let's give it to them. Lip Pop has developed a new shade just for you to look good and steal a boy's heart. Buy our new shade, Shades of Autumn, today, available at your favorite corner store.
9: When love is king, when boy meets girl, here's what they say. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore Bells will ring tingle, a ling a ling And you'll sing The beat of della. Hearts will play Tippy-tippy-tay Tippy-tippy-tay Like a guitar and della Excuse me, but you see, back in old Napoli, that's some more. When the moon hits you right, I can like big it some highland, some more. That's amore. more. That's the morning. Bells will ring, jingle, jingle, ling a you sing a bell, it's a bell. Hearts will play, titty 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 like titty 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 when you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, senor. I just see back in old Napoli, that's amore, amore
0: that's amore. Hi there folks, I'm Turk of Turk's Turkeys. <laughs> turkey Day is coming up and it's time to give thanks, so here I am to help. At my turkey farm, we have hundreds of pump turkeys for you to choose from, just you and the kids. Buy our small turkeys, enough to feed up the far people. Having a feast? we well, then buy our juiciest turkeys on the lot. Other stores sell turkeys for an outrageous 49 cents a pound. We can't have that? Here at Turk's Turkeys, you can get a turkey for your family for a steal, only 30 cents a pound. Call us crazy, but we're here for your Thanksgiving.
2: Come to Turk's Turkeys.
7: Stone bends down to look at the body.
2: There's nothing on the body, Shepard. Looks like this crime is going to be fairly difficult to trace. Good thing we have a limited suspect count.
0: That's true. But what sort of poison was it?
2: I believe it was cyanide. I smell a faint scent of almonds, but I think I'd like to smell that cup of his or the plate.
0: So you believe that he was poisoned while we all sat down to eat. I guess that would make the most sense. He only became ill after the tea was served.
2: Right you are.
0: So, who do you believe the suspects to be? Wouldn't it only be the chef? I mean... The only way any of us saw the food and could poison it was when we all sat down to eat. Poisoning the man then would be impossible.
2: Well, obviously the chef could be one of the suspects since the food was involved, but you are forgetting an important detail. The teacups and silverware were already set up in the dining car, as well as some of the saucers when the trip started.
0: Which is a bit strange, but this is a private train. It's not like anyone would touch the cups and silverware or break them.
2: Unless they did. Think about it, Shepard. Yes, the chef had the most opportunity since he was alone in the kitchen and was tasked with making our food. But everyone got the same batch of tea, and you yourself said that he only became ill after we received the tea.
0: So you're saying-
2: Yes, precisely. I believe that the inside of his teacup was coated with cyanide.
0: And it's not like the murderer was guessing which teacup he was going to drink from. Everyone had assigned seating.
2: Yes, perfectly ingenious. But they didn't count on one thing. They made one error, at least-
0: They invited us.
2: Precisely! They still went through with the killing while we were passengers on this train.
0: That is strange. Practically everyone here knew we were famous for solving every crime that knocked on our doorstep, either by reading the paper or being bragged on by Jones.
2: Right, and that didn't deter the killer at all.
0: That means they either thought that they could get away with it-
2: Or this was the only chance they had to kill him. This trip is becoming more interesting than I thought it would be.
0: Well, let's go back to the kiss. We shouldn't keep our suspects waiting.
2: Right, but you should know that I have a guess to who the suspects are.
0: Yes, and who are they?
2: Only the people who went into the dining car after we met everyone. After we finished talking with Miss Vale and Mr. Wolf, we went back into the passenger car, and they followed after. After an hour or so passed, these are the people who went back into the dining car. Mr. Doyle went in first, and then came back right before Mr. Miller went in. Soon after, mister Wolf entered, and then mister Miller came back out. mister Wolfe came out right before Miss Fay went in, and came back out later. Then Miss Mason entered the dining car and came back later.
0: So we're looking at five
7: suspects, not including the chef.
2: Right. Besides, I don't think it's the chef. I do believe it's one of our guests. But we will question her anyway.
7: Stone and Shepherd go back into the dining car.
1: So? What happened? Why were you gone so long? Where's that idiot of an uncle?
0: Well, that idiot of an uncle, as you so affectionately call him, is lying face down on the ground in the passenger car, dead.
8: (gasps) What? You're joking. He was positively fine about five minutes ago.
3: Well, he did leave due to being sick, remember?
2: I wouldn't exactly call being poisoned sick. What? He was murdered? When?
3: Most likely when he started to drink the tea. That's when Mr. Jones complained about his stomach.
2: He's right. Only after we received the tea did he begin to feel sick.
7: Stone grabs Jones' teacup with a napkin and sniffs it.
2: Just as I thought, Shepard. Cyanide.
6: Mr. Jones
2: was killed by cyanide?
7: The guest looks slowly at Mason.
1: What the devil are you all looking at? I didn't kill the man.
11: Could have fooled us with the way you were going on about how you hated him.
1: That doesn't mean I killed him.
11: Quiet down, all of you. We will get nowhere this way.
1: Charlie, please fetch the chef.
0: Charles runs to the kitchen. Now, we will question our suspects one by one inside the passenger car while the rest of you stay here. The chef will be questioned first.
1: You're just going to leave us in here with the murderer? Yes,
2: but if it makes you feel any better, each one of you will be watching each other so no funny business occurs. Besides, we can see you all through the windows of the cars and Charlie will be running around keeping an
7: eye on things. Charles comes back with the chef. Wonderful. Now we can start our investigation. Please, sir, follow me. Shepard and the chef go into the passenger car. while Stone and Charles stay in the dining car?
2: You're staying here? I highly doubt the chef was the killer. Shepard can handle the questioning on his own anyway. I only help question to find patterns. Charlie, come here. Yes,
1: ma'am.
7: Charles scurries over to her and she bends down to whisper to him.
2: Now I want you to go into the kitchen and search the trash cans for a cyanide bottle and a cyanide-coated handkerchief. Make sure you use some form of glove. I'm sure there are gloves in the kitchen. Don't, mum. I'll be careful.
7: Charles runs to the kitchen. Stone then clears off a part of the table.
2: Okay, Wolf, Sir Doyle, Mr. Miller, Mason, and Faye. Please empty the contents of your pockets and handbags onto the table here, please. And what in the world makes you think
1: we have to do that?
3: I suspect, unless you want to be arrested for hindering an investigation, you should just do as the professional says.
7: The five empty their pockets onto the table one by one. Wolf goes first.
2: So... Wolf carries some shillings in a crumpled up receipt.
11: Is that a crime?
2: No handkerchief.
11: I don't use one. That's not a
3: crime either.
2: Okay then. Sir Doyle, you carry some shillings, a pad of paper, and a pencil, and a handkerchief.
3: I'll be writing a lot after this.
2: (laughs) Mr. Miller, you have some shillings and a pipe with some tobacco.
4: You brought that on the trip? Well, um, I didn't use it. No handkerchief? I forgot it at the hotel we were staying at. I'm just going to have to buy one when we get back home.
2: Good. Okay. Well, Miss Mason, you have some shillings, some cosmetic items, and a handkerchief. A
1: rather fancy one at that. Excuse me for trying to separate myself from the common rabble. Right. And finally, Miss Faye,
2: you have just your handkerchief? I don't really worry about other things. I'm just here for Lady Mason. I brought a
6: book, though. It's back at my seat.
1: Look, whatever you may think, Bella isn't the killer. She is the most loyal person to me in my family. She wouldn't hurt anyone remotely related to me. Besides, she was busy waiting on me the entire time.
6: Thank you, Lady Mason, but they're just doing their jobs.
1: I told you that you can just call me Phoebe.
6: Not around others, Lady
2: Mason.
1: Um, all right then.
2: Look, uh, you all can take back your items now.
7: The five start to put away their items when Shepard comes back out with Chef. How'd it go? There's no way he's the killer. He has a
0: perfect alibi in everything. I also told him that he will be charged with watching the suspects so they don't do anything suspicious.
2: Wonderful. I didn't think him to be the killer anyway. Come on, Miss Faye. We will question you first. Also, Chef, Charlie is in the kitchen. He's allowed.
7: The chef nods. Shepard, Stone, and Faye go back into the passenger car while the chef watches the others. Alright. So, we just
0: have a few questions for you. We would like to know how you know Mr. Jones, what's your occupation, and if you dislike the man. And if you know anything about the people on this street in regards to Mr. Jones.
6: Um, that's a lot. Okay, so I know Mr. Jones through the Mason family since I've been Lady Mason's lady-in-waiting since birth. I only know him through family gatherings and Lady Mason. You know, for someone who hates the man and wants nothing to do with him, she sure does talk about him a lot. Really? How so? Just a lot about how she hates him and misses her aunt. Sometimes I hear her crying at night, when she thinks I'm not listening. I know she doesn't believe that he killed her aunt. She knows she committed suicide, but she was so close to her aunt. She loved her, and her committing suicide was a shock to us all, and she needed someone to blame. Plus,
2: Mr. Jones' new wife is abysmal. So you're telling me that Miss Mason doesn't actually hate Mr. Jones?
6: No, not in her heart of hearts. I just wish we knew the real reason why her aunt committed suicide. But I think that Mr. Jones was a good man. I just never really knew him. My only job was to cater to Lady Mason's every whim.
0: That must be a terrible job.
6: What? No, of course not. I mean, she may seem terrible and icy on the outside. But you don't know her like I do. She's my friend. My only friend. And she's been having rough time. Her parents are never at home. It used to be just me, her, and her aunt. But ever since she died, we've been alone. Still doesn't give her a right to treat people wrong. Or you wrong. I know. But she'll get over it someday, I hope. But I couldn't stand it if she was wrongfully
2: accused and left me. Well, one last question. Why did you go into the dining car before we were summoned to eat lunch? Oh, I didn't think anyone noticed me.
0: So you have something to hide?
6: Well... Just from Mr. Jones. Lady Mason wanted me to get her some cakes from the dining car at the time. You know how Mr. Jones was when she asked for cake. He wouldn't have allowed it. I know she wouldn't have cared if I got caught. She probably would have told me to do it in his face in spite of him, but I don't like to be on people's bad graces. I see. You didn't come back with cakes, though. Yes, I couldn't find any in the dining car. I looked everywhere. I think the chef took it back in the kitchen. That's why she went in after I did, to get the cake.
0: Well, I think that's all we need from you. If you can send in Miss Mason, please,
7: that would be wonderful. Faye nods and leaves. We've got some family issues going on here.
1: Yes, most definitely. Although now I wonder why the aunt killed herself.
7: Mason comes through the door.
1: Bella said it was my turn to be questioned. You don't think she's the murderer, right?
0: At the moment, that's none of your concern. We don't talk about- No,
1: it is my concern. You don't understand. She is the most loyal person I know and she would never kill anyone. Never. She doesn't even deserve to be accused. She's the only person who stuck by my side through thick and thin. And I know that's probably only because she's my lady-in-waiting, but she's good. I don't know what I'd do if another person was taken away from me. She's innocent. I think you should be more concerned with saving yourself. You are a suspect in murder here. I didn't kill him. I'm not a murderer.
0: That's what they all say.
1: So, how can you prove it, then? We just have a few
2: questions for you. How you know Mr. Jones, your occupation, if you dislike the man, and if you have any other information concerning the people on this train.
1: Oh, okay. Obviously, I know Garrett through being his niece. He's family, you know. I used to be a daughter to him, but we lost touch after my aunt died.
0: Sounds more like you cut ties.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted the pain to go away. Each time I went to his house, I was only reminded of her. My aunt was the only parental figure I really had in my life. Garrett was just there. It was easier for me to cut ties than to get over it.
0: So you thought the best way to do that was accuse him of murder?
1: He kept on trying to see how I was doing and just tried to remind me of the pain. Being mean was the only way to get him off my back and let me grieve. Besides, there has to be some reason why my aunt killed herself. People don't do that for no reason. For all we know, he could have been the reason. But now he's died thinking you hated him. Don't you think I know that? Look, this isn't one of the questions. My occupation is dealing with the affairs at home. That means entertaining guests and such. It's dreadfully boring and lonesome, believe it or not. And yes, I disliked the man, but I didn't kill him.
0: That doesn't answer the question about the information.
1: Look, the only person I know on this train, besides Garrett, is Bella. And she had nothing to do with this. Besides, Garrett was loved by everyone. He was a very amicable fellow around strangers. There was no reason for the people on this train to dislike him, unless for financial or occupational reasons. He is the biggest person in the railroad industry. Or was.
2: Alright, one more question. Why'd you go into the dining car
1: before we were all summoned to go in to eat lunch? No. Oh, I had to go into the dining car to pass into the kitchen to get a dessert. I had Bella go into the dining car, but she said they had all gone. And I knew she didn't have the gall to demand a cake from the chef, so I did. You can ask the chef herself. And I definitely got a cake. I ate it in the kitchen, though. Why? Ugh, despite what everyone may think, I do care about other people's feelings. I decided to eat it in there on the off chance that Garrett would see me come back with one. I just didn't want Bella to have to go through that yelling again. So you ate it in the kitchen for her sanity. And don't you dare tell her that.
0: Yes, you wouldn't want your only friend to know you have a heart. I think that's all the questions we have for you. If you can call Sir in, that would be wonderful.
7: Mason leaves with a glare.
2: Wow, Shepard, your last comment was rather scathing. I didn't know you had it in you.
0: She just rubs me the wrong way. I think anyone lucky enough to have a Bella in their life should treat them much more kindly even if they are just the help.
2: Yes, I agree. Many a tear has to fall
3: But it's all in the game
9: All in the wonder have words with him And your future's looking thin But these things Your hearts can rise above Once in a while you won't come but it's all in the game Soon you'll be there at your side With a sweet bouquet Hey ¿Eh?
8: Again, folks, the time to be thankful for all of life's great joys. But try as hard as you can, there's no way you can be thankful for all the grease stains, leftover crumbs, and dirt from a long day of family fun. But don't despair, you can find a way to be thankful again with Sophie's Soap Suds. Sophie's Soap Suds now come in three new exciting scents Autumn Breeze, Yellow Wood, and a new exciting Pumpkin Spice. So stop by a local store today and get one more reason to be thankful for this season. Remember, when all other soaps are duds, try Sophie's Soap Suds.
3: Doyle comes in. I suppose it's my turn to be questioned now. How exciting. I've never been on this side of the equation before. I always saw myself as Sherlock Holmes, you see, being the detective, not the suspect.
2: Well, today you are the suspect, believe it or not. I wish you weren't, but we have just a few questions. How you know Mr. Jones, your occupation, if you dislike the man, and if you have any other information concerning the people on the train?
3: Certainly. I know Mr. Jones through my frequent traipsing through England. I have to travel so I choose to travel with very little people so I can write in peace and get some inspirations when I'm not in a room alone. Mr. Jones' private trains provided the most pleasant experience, plus he provides great company so I always take his train. Whenever he rides on them, the better. I'm a rider by choice. I quite like the man actually. He was great fun to talk to and he seemed genuine. Dislike was farthest from my mind and I don't know anyone else on the train so that would be a no. Wonderful. I believe that was the most efficient answer we have ever received. Efficiency, but having all the necessary details, is a writer's greatest asset. Unless you publish to someone who pays by the word.
2: Good to know. Do you have anything at all that you can tell us?
3: Only that Mr. Wolf and Mr. Miller were acting suspicious when they entered the dining car. We did want to know why you went into the dining car before we were
0: asked to eat lunch there.
3: Oh, I was feeling rather peckish. So I went in to get a pastry that Mr. Jones was talking about to me earlier. I'm glad I was able to nab one before the chef came to take them all away.
2: So the chef saw you get one?
3: Yes, and he called me lucky. I agreed. And what do you mean that the two other men were acting suspicious? Just that they seemed to look over their shoulders before entering, like they were hoping someone didn't see.
2: Well, someone did.
3: Yes, you and me. I suppose it's the job.
2: We do have a keen eye for detail.
0: Okay, okay. Look, that's all we need, Sir Doyle. Please, ask Mr. Miller in. Doyle nods and leaves.
4: Don't you think that was a little rude?
0: Efficiency is his greatest asset, right? Miller walks in.
4: You asked for me next?
2: Yes. We just have a couple questions.
0: How you know Mr. Jones, your occupation, if you dislike the man, and if you have any other information concerning the people on the train.
4: Oh, I suppose that's more than a couple, but I'll answer them. I know him only through riding on his trains. I don't do it very often, but his trains make for the best riding experiences. Aside from this one, they were the best when my wife was pregnant as well. I didn't dislike the man, he was actually very kind and easy to get along with. As for the people on this train, I only knew my wife and she stayed in her seat the whole time. Whenever she needed something, I got it for her. Why? I love her. and I was on the outside seat, so it was easier.
0: Was there any reason as to why you were on the outside seat?
4: What are you getting at?
0: Why'd you go into the dining car before we were all called back for lunch?
4: Oh, um, is this really necessary? Extremely. Uh, Just don't tell my wife, okay? I went into the dining car to have a smoke, okay? She's trying to get me to stop, but it's a habit I can't break. She wasn't supposed to know I even had it, but you had me overturn my pockets.
2: Can anyone corroborate your story?
4: No. Wolf walked in on me when I was in the dining car, but I had put up my pipe before he came in. I didn't see what he was doing either. I scurried right out of there so my wife didn't get suspicious.
0: Alright then, why don't you get Wolf in here now? Miller nods and leaves.
2: Two people don't have alibis so far.
0: Yes, but we still have to check Mason's and Doyle's alibi.
2: Sir Doyle.
0: Really? You never add titles to names?
2: He's been knighted. You want someone to just drop the chief when they refer to you?
11: You do. That's different. Am I interrupting something?
2: Oh, uh,
11: no. Look, if you two are having a lover's spat, I can just come back later.
2: We aren't lovers. Now sit down and answer our questions.
11: Okay, then. What are the darn questions?
0: We just want to know how you know Mr. Jones, your occupation, if you dislike the man, and if you have
11: any other information concerning the people on the train. Seems like dumb questions to me, but whatever. I don't know Mr. Jones. This was the first time I met him, even so I don't really care for him. He seemed like a braggart. And I'm only a miner by trade.
2: A miner? Why are you wasting money on a private train, then?
11: Why are you? I just wanted to ride a private train. Is that such a big deal?
2: No, I guess not. But you didn't answer the last question.
11: That Miller guy was smoking before I came into the dining car, and I could tell his wife didn't want him doing it. That's about it. About that, why were you in the dining car before we were called for lunch? I just wanted a pastry. I paid for the trip. I might as well be fed.
2: Did you get a pastry? Yeah,
11: sure. How? By picking it off the table. Are you dense?
2: But the chef said that the pastries were all picked up before you got in there. He
11: forgot one. I say waste not. Is that a crime? I know your rich folk are snobby. A little discarded pastry won't hurt you.
2: Right. I think that's everything we have. You can leave now. If Charlie is in there, tell him to come to us.
11: The little brat? Uh, yes. Yeah, sure. Wolf
0: leaves. So he's lying about the pastry?
2: Maybe, but we really can't prove that the chef didn't drop one.
0: You think he'd eat a pastry off the floor?
2: You think he wouldn't?
0: Good point. So, who's the killer then?
2: I'm hoping that whatever Charlie found in the kitchen will prove who
1: did it. Hey, stop talking about me! It's nothing bad, Charlie. Did you find anything? Sure thing. Just like you said, a handkerchief and a cyanide bottle was in the kitchen closest to the dining car door. I made sure to use gloves, and I found these little bags to put them in so no one saw what I found.
7: Amazing. Good job, pint. That was rather smart of you. Thanks, Chief. Charles hands the bags to Stone, and she looks into them and smiles as she sees a black smudge on the handkerchief. I know that look.
0: That's the look of a sold case.
2: Correct you are, Shepard. Let's get back to our waiting suspects. I've just solved
7: the case. Here we end the 11th episode of Stone Cold Mysteries with a challenge. Find the killer. Were you paying attention? You now have all the tools to solve the murder. Message us on Facebook at Cougar Radio 88.5 or Twitter us at Cougar Radio WCUG with the killer, the motive, and the weapon. Tune in next time to hear the solution and listen to another Stone Cold Mystery.